0: chapter number 4, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter number 4, Hebrews chapter number 4, we're going to read just a couple verses uh, this morning, and uh, begin, I, I see brother, brother Oakley out there, he's back from heart surgery, I didn't see him till a while ago, let's give the Lord praise for Brother Oakley being back with us, amen, amen, it's kind of hard to clap when you're turning in your Bible, isn't it, amen, but Brother Oakley, we glad you're back, amen, And doing well. I mean an extensive heart surgery too. I'm not talking about a a little simple. I guess anything with your heart is extensive, but it was a a, a real, real major surgery. And I'm glad God brought him through. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 4. I I want everybody, uh, and I meant to uh, say this a while ago and I forgot, but our small groups is a very, very important part of what we do around here. uh, Our life groups. And if you are interested in being in one of the life groups, one of our uh, uh, small study groups, we want you to. We have a program called Starting Point at uh, four thirty in the afternoon on Sunday afternoon. And if you'd like to know more about our our life groups, we want you to be involved in that. And 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 I don't want to take too much time now to go into that, but it is. I'm telling you, it is critical that you are a part of that program. Uh, We have been getting a lot of feedback, and God has been helping me and showing me what I need to deal with and preach on through the response coming from our life groups. Uh, just about the, the last three or four messages have been coming a direct message dealing with responses from our life groups. Uh, today, I want to preach this morning on the subject, God, why are you hurting me? God, why are you hurting me? Some of the things that God has brought up in the last few weeks have been very personal, have been very intimate, has been very close to who we are and what we are. And, and it seems like, Lord, I was doing good. I about forgot about that situation. I about forgot about all. And I was doing well, and now you brought it all back up, and it just seems to hurt more than it helped. God, why are you hurting me? How many of y'all are with me this morning? Say amen. Sometimes it seems God will do that. But you know, I've seen a lot of people who were in perfect health, did not think anything was wrong in their life. Brother Randy Rye was one of them, matter of fact. Was going about his life and just had a, went and had a physical and a, a, a checkup and, and was called back to find out he was eat up with cancer. Sometimes we come to the house of God, we think everything's fine, we think everything's great, we think there's nothing wrong with it. I don't feel no problem. Everything's going great. But you know, God can see deeper than you can. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. Are you there? Say amen. For the word of God is quick. That means alive. It means it's relevant. Young people, I've heard people say, well, it doesn't, it's not relevant to my life. Honey, it'll be relevant when you're dead and gone. The truth endureth to all generations. It will fix any problem this generation has. It's quick, it's alive. It's it's powerful is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eye of him with whom we have to do. That's why God can see what we... He don't have to do an MRI or an X-ray. He already knows what's in there. The Bible says, See, and then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, because of those things, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Dear Heavenly Father, help us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All you guys up here, don't let me forget, I need to talk about the funeral, all right? Just just say the word funeral and I know what you're talking about, all right? On February the 24th, 1948, one of the most unusual operations that had ever taken place in medical history took place in Ohio State University's Department of Research Surgery. A stony covering, a stony covering was removed from around the heart of Harry Bashia, a man 30 years of age, when only a boy, he had been accidentally shot by a playmate with a .22 caliber rifle. The bullet had lodged in his heart, but it did not cause his death. But however, over time, a lime deposit began to form over this bullet, and it just kept growing and growing and growing and growing until the point that it began to form over the protective covering of the heart and gradually was strangling it. The operation was a delicate one, separating the ribs and moving the left lung to one side. Then the stony coating was lifted from the heart as an orange is peeled. Immediately, they said, the pressure of the heart was reduced and it responded by expanding and pumping normally. This is what he said. I feel a thousand percent better already, said the patient soon after the operation. There is a parable of life here. Our hearts develop a hard protective coating because of accidents or incidences in life. They are coated by the deposits of a thousand deceits, a thousand offenses, a thousand rebuffs. They are hardened by the pressure of circumstance. Inevitably, they become smothered and insensitive. Some things happen in our heart that we can't see, but it's happening. We don't even realize it, but our heart is getting colder and colder and colder, or harder and harder and harder. Sometimes God has to do spiritual surgery on His children to remove something that would be... Detrimental to their walk with Him. Now like any surgery, like any surgery, there is pain involved. Sometimes there is mixed feelings about the whole process. Sometimes there are different responses to His ministry in our life. And 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 that's what has prompted me and God has led me to do this. I had an outline. Uh, uh, Brother Donnie, I had a stomp down good one. I mean Wednesday afternoon, God, I had it all there ready. And Friday, God says, set it aside. I don't want you to preach that. And it would have worked. Say amen. But God had other things in mind. He had other things in mind because as I was hearing from our life group leaders, our life group leaders were coming back after we'd been dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness and, and, and dealing with these things in our life that had been struggling and strangling us slowly but surely. they have been saying, some preacher, I've been getting great, I mean great testimonies of people being blessed. People being blessed. Preacher, we went to such and such family member and made things right and God restored that relationship. And uh, preacher, I have finally gotten help for the bitterness in my heart. It's gone and I'm walking this high off the ground. Oh, preacher, I am being blessed. And boy, I shout the victory. Thank God for that. But I've been having responses too. Preacher, I'm very bothered by this. I'm very bothered by this because I see and I know but I don't want to do anything about it. It's not fair. It was not my fault. It's completely their fault. But you know what? God's revealing things. And and these messages have either blessed you or they have bothered you. But then there's another response that I've seen and people have brought to my attention. Not only being bothered, not only being blessed, but some are just bewildered. In other words, preacher, I'm just not sure what I need to do. I'm sure I'm I'm not sure what I need to say. I'm not I'm not sure what direction or what steps to take right now. Well, God has given me a message for you today. God, why are you hurting me? I want to give you two points, and we're going to pray. Number one, I want you to see the Savior's reasoning. The Savior's reasoning. And and if you if you was to be honest with yourself, if you was to be honest with me today, you would have to admit the last few weeks have been very intimate and personal. Would you say Amen? Now, I've seen something. I've seen something in this particular verse that I I, I, I say I've never seen it, but I I never used it in the context that the verses meant. So many people use this verse the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword. And and in our mind and in our makeup, we, we have that the Bible, we use the Bible to fight with, and we know it's the sword of the Spirit. The other, uh, We know some of the other books in the New Testament respond and say that the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. And I know that. And I know we can fight Satan with it. And I know it's the best weapon we have against him. But in this particular verse, he's not using it as a weapon. The Bible doesn't say in this verse that it is a two-edged sword. The Bible says it is sharper than a two-edged sword. The Bible, he says it, it can pierce and go... Deep, the whole, the whole point of the verse is not its ability to cut somebody's head off. It's the ability to penetrate deep into your soul, deep into your heart, even to the marrow when your skin and your organs rot off of your body. Your bone is left, but it can go even past the surface of the bone to the very marrow. In other words, the deepest areas of your life, your mind, your thoughts, God's Word can make it to it. And he's not saying this is about a sword to be used in warfare. It is a scalpel to be used in sensitive surgery. God says, I need to do surgery on some of y'all because you don't even realize what's in your heart, but I can see it. It's naked and open before me. I know your thoughts and even things you don't even think, and you've already forgotten that they were there. And God's saying, I need to get them out of there. I can see it. I know they're there. I know they're hindering you. You don't think they are. You've been going to church. You've been going through the motions. Listen, you have been having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. You've been going through the routine of religion but there is no fire in your bones. There is no joy in your soul. There's no excitement in your heart. Oh, God wants more for you than just daily routine religion. God wants more than just an old, ruddy religion. God wants excitement, joy unspeakable and full of glory. God wants you to be excited about what he's doing in your life. Hallelujah. I'm not going to be able to talk again. Amen. I can't help it. This is so important. I need you to get this. God is saying, I've got a reason for doing what I'm doing. I know it hurts. I know it don't feel good. I know you don't like it. I've never liked shots. And you've got to run real fast to give me one. Much less surgery, eh, amen? That stuff hurts. I know that. God says, I know this hurts, but it's for your own good. It's for your own good. Number one, or A under number one, God's reasoning for hurting you. God's reasoning for putting you through what He's putting you. He cares about this. Hey, write this down. I want you to see this. He wants to provide healing for our wounds. He wants to provide healing for our wounds. Do you realize that people can offend you years and years and years ago and they still be simmering in your heart and you've done forgot it and you don't even realize it but it affects how you treat other people? Because somebody broke your heart over here and somebody broke your trust over here. Some of you ladies, men have done you wrong. Men have treated you wrong and they've broken your trust. And because of that, way over here, you cannot trust the one you're with. Some ladies are having a hard problem trusting their husband because the one they dated back then did them wrong. And they're taking out on Joe what Willie did ten years ago. And if there's a Joe and Willie in here, that was just an example. Are you all with me? And those wounds are there. I have seen marriages destroyed because something that was happened back then, maybe from one spouse to the other, was just ignored and we'll just forget about it. But you know what? Way down here, that thing is still there. It's still simmering. It's still growing. Even though you thought you forgot it. Even though you thought you've ignored it. Even though you thought it has just gone away. It's still there and it will come to the surface. God is saying, I see it. I see what's going to happen in five years. I see what's going to happen in three. I see what's coming to the surface. You don't even realize it, but something's going to happen, and boom, it's going to explode if we don't dig it out. I want to heal those wounds. Jesus says, I come to heal the brokenhearted. And I'm glad He can. He can. I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. I'm here, listen, I'm here to heal the wounds that have been made, the wounds by Satan, the wounds by sinners, the wounds by people that were your friends. I know it can happen. Your friend can hurt you and they not even know it. And he says the reason we need to deal with this stuff. Don't you love it when you go to the doctor and you got an issue and he goes poking on you? Does this hurt? No, no. I, you know, I just jumped off the table for no reason. Amen? What? And they're just poking on you, poking on you till it hits something and, and you jump this high off the table. You know, sometimes when you come in the house of God, God goes to poking on you, don't He? And it's not because He's trying to find like the doctor. He's not like the doctor trying to find where it is. He knows where it is. He just pokes it so you can know where it is. How many of you love your preacher enough and are honest enough in this house that God's been poking you lately? How do you know that? Because I'm sore. You ain't the only one he's been poking on. But you know what he's saying? i got to get this stuff out. Because you're never going to heal. I remember when I was little and got a splinter. Got a splinter. And you all know if you leave a splinter, thing will fester up. And how many of you all know dads with fingers that big around are not good at getting Splinters. but they think they're brain surgeons. How many of y'all know that? And I do that with our girls. Come on, let me have it. Let me have it. Like, oh. I mean, they, they go running from me. I don't know what the deal is. No, don't do it. Don't do it because it's going to hurt. It sure is going to hurt. But what if I leave it? It's going to get infected. And I couldn't understand that then, but I can now. But boy, as a child, you don't understand why they need to dig in there because it's going to hurt. If you stick me with that needle, it's going to hurt. But if I don't get it out, it's going to hurt worse. And God is saying, look, i got to do this. I have to do this. I've got to get this out. I know you don't want to face it. I, don't, I know you don't want to deal with it right now. I know you don't want to face it, but I've got to deal with it. Because if you don't, the wound is never going to heal. God is saying, I want to provide healing for our wounds. Then, then be God is saying, I want to present help for our weaknesses. I want to present help for our weaknesses. Say, What in the world are you talking about? The 18th century British physician John Hunter. He was a pioneer in the field of surgery and served as the surgeon to King George III. And he suffered from angina discovering, now watch this, discovering that his attacks were often brought on by anger. He had attacks of angina brought on by his anger. He had an issue with anger. He had an anger problem. This is what he said. He said out of his own mouth, my life is at the mercy of any scoundrel who chooses to put me in a passion. You know what he's saying? I am a slave to whoever decides to tick me off. I can't live my life like I want to. I can't go and do what I want to do because I've got an anger problem and I'm at the mercy of whoever stands in my way to make me angry. Now watch this. He was prophetic in what he was saying. He said it has been written that after a meeting of the board at the St. George's Hospital in London, Hunter got into a heated argument with other board members, walked out and dropped dead in the next room because of a stronghold of anger. What's the point? The point is this. God knows you've got a problem. God knows you have an issue. Let's use anger, for instance. You say, well, my anger is not a problem. It is a problem when you can't live life and function life normally because of it. Because when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you go a rage. Listen, sooner or later, you're going to hurt yourself or you're going to hurt somebody. Either you're going to put yourself in a position in your life because of your anger, whether you kill somebody or somebody kills you, either way, you're going to destroy your life. And God is saying, if I don't dig this up, if I don't dig this out, you're not going to be able to walk right. You have a weakness. You have a stronghold in your life. It's no different than an addiction. Some of you are addicted to prescription drugs. And you may be able to function right now. It's called a functioning addict. You may be able to go through your life and your routine and you think that everything's okay. But sooner or later, it's going to get the best of you and it will destroy your life. God says, if I don't dig this out, Oh, but preacher, I've got a stronghold of lust, but but it's okay, I've got control over it. You'll never have control over it. It will always control you. And it may not get you now. It may not get you tomorrow. But one day, it will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your life. It will destroy your reputation. It will destroy your testimony. God says, if I don't dig it out, you're always going to be bothered with it. If I don't dig it out, you're always going to be weak to it. If I don't dig it out, sooner or later, it will destroy your life. I remember, I remember listening to the, the, the news and about the woman, the two ladies in, in Alabaster, Alabama. Going down the road, and because of road rage, they pulled over to the side of the road. The one in the front got out and came to the one in the back, and the one in the back shot her right in the face, killed her, and then she went to prison. Destroyed both of their lives because of senseless anger. Senseless anger. Issues that we have. You know why we're so quiet right now? Because we know God's poking on us. Poking on us. God knows there's an issue. God knows there's a weakness. And that, that weakness may have not got you yet. But soon it will. You cannot play with fire without getting burnt. And God is saying, if I don't deal with this, if I don't fix this, if I don't pull this out, you're going to be destroyed. Are y'all with me this morning? God is saying I have to do surgery because I want to provide healing for your wounds, but then I want to present help for our weakness. I want to present help for our weakness. See, write this down. And this is the most critical one. I want to promote holiness for our walk. When God showed me this one, (laughs) this, this <laughs> there are some in this building right now that think that God is just tickled to death because you're in the church service because of tradition and 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 the process that man has set up over the years some people have the idea that that you were saved to be a good churchgoer and as long as you're sitting in the church house, you're filling the quota. And God's just so happy in heaven because you went to church. But you've got to understand, God is after much more than that. God did not save you to go to church, God saved you to be the church. And you say, What is God after? Same thing He was after when He made you in the beginning. Same thing he was after when he formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and they became a living soul. He is after a real, sure enough, living, breathing, intimate relationship with mankind. He wants to walk with you and talk with you. He wants to be in your life. He wants to be involved in your dreams and your desires. He wants to be involved intricately in every part of your life. He cares about you, and he wants to have fellowship with you. He sits on the edge of the throne every morning waiting for you to wake up, hoping to God that He will be the first one that you talk to, that you can have a close relationship with Him. He wants to fellowship with you. He loves you with every fiber of His being. And if He had a refrigerator in heaven, your picture would be right on the front of it. But there's only one problem. If I regard iniquity in my heart, He will not hear me. Isaiah chapter number 1 is a very intriguing chapter in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 1 says this, Why are you coming to church? Why are you bringing all these sacrifices? Why are you going through this religious routine? Why are you going above and beyond all of this drama and all of this religious rigmarole? Why are you doing all of this and your hands are full of blood? He said, I don't care about that sacrifice. I don't care about all that religious ritual. I don't care about all that pomp and circumstance. I don't care about all of that stuff. I care about you. I love you. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God is saying you're coming to church every week and and you put on the Sunday best and you, you put on the Sunday smile but inside of your heart there is issues that you're dealing with or not dealing with and I can't get close to you. I cannot walk with you. I cannot fellowship with you because you have sin in your heart. And God desires and God delights in a walk with His children. But the Bible says in 1 John chapter number 1 that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we walk with Him or fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth because we cannot do it. Light and darkness cannot coexist where darkness is. All darkness is is the absence of light. And when light comes, darkness disappears. And God is saying this, I want to love you. I want to hold you. I want to carry you. I want to walk with you and fellowship with you. I want you to enjoy my intimate fellowship. But I can't do it with something in between us. The Bible clearly says that your sins have separated between you and your God. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. His hand is not short that it cannot save. But your sins have separated between you and your God. God wants closeness. God wants intimacy. Are y'all getting this? God wants a tight relationship. But it can never be if there's something in between you and Him. Sometimes the only way to get it out, it hurts. There's something about the Word of God it not only allows us to see God, but it allows us to see how God sees us. Sometimes I read that Bible and it hurts because it shows me where I really am. Mark Twain said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me, it's the parts that I do. And see, we live in a world where, listen, let's just change the Bible to fit what we are. Let's just change the Bible to fit our lifestyle. It hurts too bad for me to change, so let's just change God to who I am. Honey, you can't change God with nothing. Say, preacher, you're really rubbing the cat backwards this morning. Well, if I'm rubbing the cat backwards and I'm preaching that book, the cat needs to turn around. God says, I'm poking. God says, I'm cutting with that sharp scalpel because I want to bring healing to your wounds. I want to provide help for your weaknesses. But I want to, listen, I want you to have holiness so we can walk together. I want to wake you up in the morning with a song. I want to be in the car with you when you're going down the road. I want to I want my presence to be with you everywhere you go. But if there's a sin in your heart, I can't. Because my presence cannot be there. Why do you think the Father turned His back on His Son on the cross? At that moment, God the Father who loved His Son so incredibly had to turn His back and Jesus said, Why hast thou forsaken me? Because light and darkness cannot coexist. And at that moment, Jesus took all the sins of the world upon His back. Preacher, what are you saying? God loves you. He loves you and He wants so much more than you think. But He can't do it with sin there. Okay. Preacher, what do I do? One of the responses from the life groups was this. I know I need to forgive, but how do I do that? What practical steps do we need to take to do what God's revealing in our heart? Let me give you three quick things. We saw the Savior's reasoning, and then number two, this is it: I want you to see the saint's responsibility. What is our responsibility with what He is showing us in our life? What, what is our responsibility with what He is revealing to us? There's three simple words. Number one, or A. First thing we have to do is acknowledge. Say that word with me. Say it again. In other words, in other words, we have to we have to accept what God reveals. This verse that I, I'm about to read, David is speaking in Psalms 51. This is basically his repentance chapter after he has sinned with Bathsheba. And, and, and this is after he was confronted by the man of God, Nathan. Nathan stuck his bony finger in David's face and said, David, thou art the man. In other words, God revealed in David's heart that he was an adulterous murderer. God revealed in David's heart that he was the one wrong. He was the sinner. In other words, God was poking on him just like God's been poking on us. And this is what David did. He said, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done the evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. I tell you this, God will never poke on you that He won't tell you why He's poking on you. I've had people come to me from the start of the strongholds and and, and, and all these messages where God has been getting real personal with us, and they'll say, Preacher, I feel this, but then they try to give me ten different reasons why that's not so. Well, preacher, I have a right to feel, so, well, well, shouldn't I be, or, 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 or don't, isn't it just, faith? it's not my, fa- I mean, excuse after excuse after excuse. If God said it's a problem, it's a problem. If God reveals lust, then it's lust. If God reveals anger, then it's anger. If God reveals it's unforgiveness, then it's unforgiveness. If God reveals that it's jealousy, then it's jealousy. If God reveals it, it's what it is. And we'll never get help for it. We'll never fix it. We'll never get it out of our life if we keep making excuses for it. How many of y'all have seen the people that's been arrested for killing people? But that was because of something happened in his former life. and, And he should not be held responsible. Sooner or later, we need to get real with life and get real with God and say, God, against thee and thee only have I sinned. David could have said she should not have been out there bathing. David said she should have not come up to my path. Oh, and he could have made all those excuses, but he did not. When God confronted him, he said, I acknowledge it. I did it, God. I'm sorry. It's my fault. But too many of us want to blame everybody else. We want to blame everybody for our symptoms. We want to blame everybody for our problems. We want to blame everybody else when God says it's you, it's you. When God goes to poking on us, You need to acknowledge, God, I do have a problem there. It's me. I I acknowledge it. I agree. I accept what you reveal. Sometimes we don't want to accept it because it's so ugly in our life. We don't want to admit that that could even be a possibility in our life. Are you all with me today? Second step. I promise you, if you take these steps, you will be delivered and your life will change like you've never even imagined. What was the first word? Acknowledge. Second thing, ask. Ask. Simple. Isn't it amazing how difficult we've made church? The thief on the cross told Jesus, Lord, remember me. Jesus said, that's good enough. Today thou wilt be with me in paradise. And we think we have to be a theological scholar to get anywhere with God. We think we've got to crawl on our knees to Mecca. We've got, we got to bow down so many times. We have to pray and, and fast for 20 years. And then, then maybe God says, ask. If my children come to me with a need I know they, they need, they, I know they have this need, and they come and ask me, do you think I'm going to put them through a, 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 a obstacle course before I give them what I know that they need? Hello? God is saying, just ask me. Watch what it says. After he talks about that, that sharp instrument that penetrates, that goes deeper than we know, he says, Therefore, therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. And then, it, now this is the catch, because this is what I didn't see before. First, that we may obtain mercy. See, we go to God, God help me not kill this person. Y'all with me? Lord, help me because they cut me off in traffic. And Lord, I've had a bad day. I'm fixing to deal with him. Lord, help me with that. See, we want to skip to the second thing. And God says, you need to deal with the first thing. You need mercy for your attitude. You need mercy for your sin. You need mercy for your unforgiveness. You need mercy. Before you go and think you're going to forgive somebody else, you need to come to me for forgiveness for your own attitude. See, because he says, then... You can ask for grace to help. Here's what we do. Brother Donnie's done something to me. He shouted too loud last year in the SEC championship game and hurt my feelings. That that one linebacker, I'm going to remind you. That one linebacker came back, Tebow come around the end and he hit Tebow and Tebow slid 52 yards. That's the way, that's the way to get him. That hurt my feelings. That bothered me. Good Christian boy like Tebow rooting. What's wrong with people? Don't you say nothing, Chad. Bless God. He don't even know Jesus. Rooting against Christians. Rooting for infidels. Oh, God. I got a problem. I got a need. Lord, would you please pay this power bill? See, I want to go to the grace to help in the time of need. But God says, you better come ask for mercy for how you feel about Brother Donnie. Mm-hmm. I'm preaching a lot better right now than y'all shouting this morning. We know we're guilty. That's why he says, don't come and bring your gift to the altar. You want to come and raise your hand and say, oh, how great thou art. You want to come and say, what a mighty God. And we think we're really getting credit for worship when we are hating our brother for something they did. He says, you're wanting to come through all this religious routine, you got blood on your hands. God, tell me first, I need to go ask for forgiveness. I need to come to God and ask for mercy for the way I treated and felt about Him. Y'all with me? I had not lost anybody yet. Are you still with me? See, we need to ask for forgiveness. Then we need to ask for help. He said that we may obtain mercy. I need to obtain mercy for how I've been feeling because it was unchristian the way I thought about that situation. Y'all with me? So before I ever ask God to pay my bill or fix my problem or meet my need, we need to make sure there's not nothing there. Amen? And lastly, what was the first word? Uh, We we cool, big D? We cool, amen. Amen. We cool, all right. Yeah, yeah, we're not friends December, amen, all right. (laughs) Come December, you're off my handshaking list, amen, all right. (laughs) Listen, if if you think you're coming to a church where you can't enjoy yourself, you're in the wrong building. Because I done got way past all that garbage of tradition. I, he said, I came to have life and have a more abundant I'm going to have a good time. Amen. First, we are to A. B. Now, here's the critical part. Here's the most important part. You need to act. You need to act. Say, preacher, what are you talking about? Here's the deal. We need to be obedient. To the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not, being, I'm not being super spiritual here. Hear me out. I got just a couple of minutes, and I want you to hear me out on this. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 says this And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. What is he saying? If the Lord has dealt with you about bitterness in your heart or unforgiveness in your heart, He does not care how big an offering you give. I care, but He doesn't. Amen. Just kidding. In other words, it doesn't matter how religious you are or how spiritual you try to act. If you have not obeyed when He has spoken to you, you're wasting your time. Well, preacher, what am I supposed to go? See, I I had a situation that I had to deal with where somebody that had had hurt this other person, they're dead now. So how am I going to go back and forgive this person? Preacher, what am I supposed to do? I I can't raise the dead. I said, you're exactly right. And by the way, I don't necessarily believe that, that you need to go back and make you enlist like Earl on TV and try to go back and fix everything you did. I don't believe that. And I don't believe God's teaching that, what we're talking about right here. I do believe this, though. I believe that God will tell you what He wants you to do. God will present an opportunity to you to help with your situation, just like He did with Joseph. Do you remember when he brought Joseph's brothers back into his life? And God presented an opportunity for him to forgive them. And I believe we are to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us if he leads you to make a phone call, if he leads you to write a letter, if he leads you to go over to this person's house and say, I have had an issue with you and I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? If he tells you to do that, then act upon it. You with me? You follow, first you go to him and acknowledge, God, I've had an issue. Then you go and you say, well, preacher, my issue... My, I have an anger problem because of the root of bitterness in my soul and something that's happened to me a long time ago and I need to dig it out and go, go puke up on everybody. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if God tells you you need to go to that person, then that's exactly what you need to do. There may be a situation that you can't. You say, but what if, what if I cannot? It's an impossibility to go apologize to somebody or to go to make things right. They're, in this situation, they're dead. I cannot I cannot go to them. I cannot go to them because they've hurt me. How do I forgive them if I can't go to them? They've hurt me and they're no longer with us. How can I do that? Here's a good idea. Here's a good idea. Here's a practical thing you can do. I would encourage you to do this. I would encourage you to sit down with a piece of paper. And if you have to forgive people, if there's been issues in your life where people have hurt you and you need to forgive them, this is what you do. You get you a pen, you get you a pad of paper, you sit down and you start listing all the offenses. You list the names of the people who have hurt you. You list the things that they have done that hurt you. And it's very important that you do this. You list them on that piece of paper. And then you clear you off a spot. Some of y'all's list going to be so big you'll burn the forest down. Get in a good local spot. Get good where and put that list and put it down. Set it on fire and watch it burn. And say, God, I'm letting go of this. I am giving it to you. Say, what is all that fire? It's just something that you can see that makes it more tangible to you. If you can do it by just saying, God, I'm no longer carrying this in my life. God, I'm going to give it to you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. This is your problem, not mine. I'm forgiving them and I'm letting it go. If you can do that without doing that, fine. But if you can't, you need to make you a list and burn it to the ground. You Say, God, I'm through. Well, how do I know what to do? Don't, don't act that silly. You know when God's talking to you, you do what He's telling you to do. See, if I just needed to forgive Brother Donnie and let it go, then that's what I do. I just forget. I don't need to go tell him that. He may not even know nothing's wrong. He may not even. He, he's oblivious to. There's an issue, but if it's so deep, and God tells me that I need to do this because God may be working on him too. Hello, God may be working on him too, and if God tells me I need to go apologize, brother. Donnie, Brother Donnie, I'm sorry. I called you a jerk face in my heart. And I've told other people you don't even know Jesus. And, and uh, you with me? Because, see, God may be working on him too. God may be helping him with things that he's done or he said. But if God didn't tell you to do it, don't do it. Say, but I just, I got to get this off of my conscience. No, no, that's not biblical. The Bible says in 1 John, it says that if your conscience condemn you, God is greater than your conscience. I'm not endorsing that we need to go throw up on everybody. But I am saying that we need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit when He puts it in our heart. We need to acknowledge that there was a problem. We need to ask God to forgive us if that's what's necessary or for grace to help in the time of need. I'm not saying every situation is needing forgiveness. But I am saying this, every situation needs grace to help. Are you with me? Then we need to act on what God tells us to do. If it's a letter, if it's a phone call, if it's a visit. Some people said, Preacher, we was out with a family member. and We went this week over to that family member's house and sat down and talked it out and talked it over. And God restored our relationship. What were they doing? They were being obedient to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And everybody in this room has the ability to do that very thing. Church, say amen. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us to be obedient to your word. Please help us to deal with these issues in our life. Please help us to